0: Hi, and welcome to Song Divers, an interview podcast about singer-songwriters. We like to go deep in conversation with our
1: favorite musicians in search of honest answers. What are the ingredients of a great song? What makes a songwriter tick? Can a musician make a living these days? Is Jason Isbell
0: overrated? What? My name is Stefan. And this is Ed. And if you don't own a fedora... You may want to get one after this episode. Hey, everybody, this is
2: Dean Johannesson.
1: road is in Dean Johannesson's blood. The thrill of discovering new places, and the undercurrent of stories waiting there, runs through his colorful, history-tinted songs. Throughout the 90s and early aughts, Dean established himself as a staple of the Southeastern songwriting community through his work fronting the indie alternative outfit, The Human Condition. Then seemingly out of nowhere, he transformed into one of the most
0: respected and enduring solo troubadours you'll see today. A few of his most heart-stringing compositions still make the set list, but Dean's solo record and shows are primarily comprised of a unique gypsy-style folk music that has become his calling card. Dean has been writing for decades, and when you meet him, you'd think he's been doing interviews for even longer. He's relaxed and funny, humble and sincere, and keeping in line with our criteria for our guests, a great songwriter. We're already looking forward to the next time we get to have Dean in the studio. We think you will be too. So before we ask our usual first question, yeah. our, our one of our last guests Andrew Duhon, we got into a chat about hats very briefly, uh, <laughs> but lyrically relevant. We people can't see you currently. Mm-hmm. You are wearing a hat. Yeah. Uh it's a great hat. Thank you. Yeah. 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 You you wear hats into most of your gigs and your shows. It's uh, it's a nod to my grandfather, really.
2: Um he wore fedoras and, you know, really nice double-breasted suits and uh you know, pictures of him back in the day. That's how he dressed. at 12 years old. I went to Disneyland in California and my, one of my purchases was a fedora (laughs) at 12. Mm -hmm. So it's been kind of a long running thing. And then I gave it up for a good bit. And then uh, when I started writing music in this swingy kind of vein and, you know, thinking about the twenties and the thirties and all that stuff, it kind of came back around. So I fell into it just because of of that, you know, and I just had, I've always had a love for it because my grandfather,
0: you know, Some people don't look or feel natural in hats, but it's a natural look on you. So kudos. And (laughs) And my hair—I have
2: crazy hair, so. (laughs) And and that's the other part of it: the curl and the humidity and the craziness. It's like it's a lot easier to put it under a hat than worry about, you know. So, uh, where are you from? I'm from uh, Long Island, New York. Born in Lake Ronkonkoma, Um, and then uh, moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana, and then out to Vegas and Henderson, and um, then back to New York and then down to Georgia, and now in Florida. So. Were these military moves? Like No, you know, a lot of people ask that. That's just, uh, uh, my mom was a, a mover. You know, uh-huh. she liked to, to pick up and go, and um, that was just kind of our thing. She delivered motorhomes for a while, too, you know. So we when I was really young, we, were, we did that. We did a run that went past St. Louis, I remember. I don't know where we went. I don't remember much about it other than eight-track tapes of, like, the Eagles and... Dolly Parton and passing that arch in St. Louis and just thinking it was the coolest thing in the world, you know, but, um, but yeah, um, so we, we bounced around quite a bit. How many years were crammed into that, that time? Mm, so That's a lot of moving for yeah, a lot of years even from when I was born to when I went back to New York, that was, um, Fort Wayne was before school. Vegas was elementary into middle school, then back to New York for high school and college. And then uh, and then after that, it was just adult moves on my own. And now you're based here in Florida. Yeah, based here in Florida. Last 18, 19 years now.
1: So. How did you end up in Florida? What, um, what
2: I met you? my wife, uh, who's now my wife, uh, in New York at a restaurant that I worked at out on Long Island called The Driver's Seat. And um, she was from Florida. Originally, her family's based down here but moved to the big city and then um had a job for the summer out there and uh, and we met and hit it off and um and then we decided to move closer to family but not my mom had moved from New York to Florida as well she's on the east coast
0: as so many do yeah yeah <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> definitely feeling that in the traffic for sure <laughs> um but yeah so then we were like let's in New York where i was living it was kind of like sort of like i it kind of reminds me of like siesta key some of the islandish areas of florida where it's very touristy and um as far as like music goes it's you know i played in the local irish pub a little bit and um but then off season it was just dead you know and then there's like there's and then the city was like two and a half hours away or something like that you know and it's harder to get into harder to get gigs then you know and um I wanted to I wanted to move and we talked about Georgia, uh, Atlanta specifically because um the Olympics were gonna be there and we're you know, the the idea was that the city would be blowing up and the music scene would be amazing and there would be all kinds of people there and 'cause so that was kind of the drive. And then also to be closer to family but not so close in the beginnings of our relationship to where we could kind of establish who we were as a couple on our own and then kinda of go from there, you
0: know. So you mentioned you're moving around a lot um what was your upbringing like was there a lot of music around what were your parents like my um um my mom's uh my mom sang a little bit and played guitar
2: actually my early some of my early memories of playing guitar were like sitting on her lap and she would let me strum the guitar and she would change the chords and and sing songs um like don't let the sun catch you crying i think it was one of the one of the songs you know and uh um, and then I had a cousin who played uh, trumpet, and um, he would let me like go in his room. He was a teenager with record, you know, Kiss records and Zeppelin records, and I didn't know how to play the trumpet, but I was fascinated by any instruments at that point. I think just from sitting playing guitar with my mom, I was like, oh, this is another instrument, you know. I don't know if I ever even tried to play it, but I just just holding the weight of it and pressing the valves and listening to Led Zeppelin spin and, you know, looking at his Kiss baseball card, they're like, this is the coolest thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) It was so cool to me, you know? Um, so yeah. Um, and then my dad, we've reconnected recently and, uh, he, he's a piano player. He plays piano. Um, he's back into teaching right now and and he actually gigs every once in a while. He was, he kind of gave it up for a good bit, but, uh,
0: he's kind of got back into doing it. So, so in terms of, stuff that you guys were listening to you mentioned the Eagles Dolly Parton yeah what it stuff was, was around like what and you know, you said, you know obviously you know.
1: big influences on your own music
2: <laughs> <laughs> no I think about that every once in a while when I talk about it like her her range of list, my mom's range of listening was just kind of all over she just loves all kinds of like even to this day she listens to current stuff that I have no idea even exists you know she does dances that I <laughs> she probably shouldn't do <laughs> you know what I mean? like, it's just like why how do you know that like um, but you know uh, Simon and Garfunkel and, and Jim Croce and uh, um, gosh who else um, you know we had the soundtrack for Pippin and we had the soundtrack to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and we had the you know we she was into musicals so I knew of you know West Side Story and um, singing in the rain and you know that kind of stuff. That's something I forget about every once in a while when I mention musical influences because I think about how many Danny Kaye movies or Gene Kelly movies I saw early on uh, and I, I just, I love them. You know, I just love, and I love Jimmy Stewart and I mean, know that's not really music but, you know, I, I have really fond memories of of those things,
0: you know. Well, so I, I Nostalgia
2: saw... Nostalgia plays
0: in the song, right? Yeah, Depending totally.
2: And just the, the feel that the feeling that something could have. And I mean, I saw singing on the rain in Broadway, like when I was in high school and they actually made it rain on stage. And I was just like, I was blown away by that, you know?
1: Well, it kind of fits too, because most of your uh, songs are telling stories. Uh, there's a cinematic yeah. quality to, yeah, to some yeah. of what you do. So,
2: yeah. I see that more now that I, and you know, and I had, I had some, uh, I had little hints of uh, doing some soundtrack work, like over the last six or seven years, like small stuff. Mm-hmm. But I fell in love with that that too, you know, just looking at a script and, you know, going, there could be something here, you know. It's, even if it's just an instrumental bit, there could be something there, you know.
1: Were these works for hire? Or I people did. You know that, the the first
2: one I did was a college thing. This guy that used to come out and see me play just did a – he did a film for college and wanted to use a song or two. And then I asked him – I don't know where I got the <laughs> – you know, the guts to be like, Hey, give me the script. I was just like, give me the script and I'll you I'm know. I'm doing all the music.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you wanna use my songs? I'm doing all of it. <laughs> Nowhere near the level of John Williams, but I'm gonna give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> this Darth Vader theme does not work in my college play at all.
0: <laughs> and it's too expensive. But also. no,
2: so so it was he was kind enough to like let me take a look at the script and I did some like instrumental stuff for him and then um and then I did um a film called Beautiful Noise Uh, I worked with the director of Beautiful Noise down in Sarasota um, and they used three of my tunes for a soundtrack and then I worked with the director we basically set up in a small room and we watched the film reel and he would go. I kind of want something here, and then uh, and then I would like play a, night, a couple ideas, and then he would find something he would like, and then I. So I did the little incidental in
1: real time. Yeah, like, like in to real, the...
2: like to the well, like we were watching the thing, you cool. know, and I would come up with the, the bit, and then and then we would use it or we wouldn't, or I'd give him another idea or something like that, you know. And it's, it's just, all oh, guitar, man. Yeah, yeah. I just loved loved that. It was just so much fun, and that and that was like that's the kind of where the circusy kind of stuff was like kind of after that it was like this full package idea like, i was going to ask if that
1: yeah. if that kind of led into yeah it really
2: did inf- it, it influenced yeah. it because i thought it was that and like reading reading books like sarah gruen's book water for elephants was like a little bit of that spark too
1: all well, those, let's let's just a yeah, little sure. bit um, and talk about so your time in florida yeah has it all been in sarasota um, when we or first or most of it? Yeah,
2: a uh, good bit when we first moved in we were living with my in-laws <laughs> in a one room place. <laughs> yeah. For like 6 months trying to save up money. So we when we moved it from Atlanta, we moved with the whole band minus right. the bass player who had like the real job, you know. Okay. So we came down here together, but we had a kit. you know, my son was like 2 at the time and they were living in an apartment together in Clearwater, Safety Harbor area, and I was just like I can't Live with you like i can't live I can't put you guys through having a kid because we had a kid, and you know the family thing has got to be like this unit you know right. and uh I felt a little bit bad about that because we were like really that was like the age of like you're in a band, your brothers your family you're you stick together, you do everything all that stuff you know, but at the same time we're like for you know for everybody's sake, it would be a better thing if we got our own place, you know? Mm-hmm. And
0: was this a human condition you're talking
2: about? Uh, this was, this was a band called Burden Fly from Atlanta that moved down here together and that was pre, pre, pre human condition. That was kind of what, when that band broke, turned into the other thing. But, um, yeah, so we lived in Sarasota a good bit and then we bought a house in Newport Ritchie mm-hmm. and then um, my father-in-law passed away and he sold his property in Sarasota and my mother-in-law moved to a neighborhood in Bradenton, and um, there was a house for sale there. And we were kind of getting a little tired of Newport Ritchie. It's a little crazy. You know? Really? Yeah, just imagine that. <laughs> I don't think we have We're a lot two of
3: cops episodes away from <laughs> moving yeah. from this place. I'm telling you right now. Uh-huh. I think a lot
0: of people probably feel that way. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, I think before. We want to say hi to our listeners in <laughs> We love you. Well, so before you, as, because we're working up to some of your current. Stuff which is really cool and it is unique to a lot of people, but also our guests. But I, was I think
1: leading to the circus, uh, it was connect- gonna say, yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 so with the Sarasota thing, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So we we moved back there, and then it took me a while for that because, um, the human condition was not doing that kind of stuff, it was more like acoustic rock sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and um, and then I think somewhere in that realm, you know, just reading. The water for elephants was a big thing and then it got me into this the history of the circus and like there's Ringling Museum and Art School and all this stuff there you know Everything and they have a library same, on site that you can go and check out like you can I didn't check out books but I went I would go to the library and just sit at the art just, school
1: or at the at the
2: um, at the museum, museum. Yeah. yeah at the museum they have a library and for
1: people I, that don't know like John Ringling uh the oh, right. the circus would would winter in Sarasota, Florida, yeah, they'd go there, and Ringling kind of put down roots there, and has a mansion there. Yeah, and, the Katizan, and beautiful uh, house, great yeah. art collection.
2: the The art museum he collected a lot of Rubens there, and mm-hmm. but they'll have different stuff come through, different featured artists come through. But uh,
1: so as a result, you go to Sarasota, and you go to a restaurant or wherever you go, you're going to see some something circus. Yeah, yeah. Related. There's a good, there's a good uh, chance,
2: you know, yeah. and then. Uh, Yeah, there's, I mean, and there were families that lived there, and we're not too far from Gibsonton, and so there's a lot, there's a lot of history there, you know, that's Mm -hmm. really interesting to me. I think because of moving around, like, you get interested, or even just touring a little bit, when you go to a place, you just kind of become, what's, what makes this place tick? Like, what is, you know, what kind of blood is rushing through the veins of this place or whatever, you know, and Mm -hmm. I like to find that out. I like to know a little bit of the history. Why is that place called whatever, you know, Devil's Thumb, There's you know why is, you know, what, what is what is the story there? You know? Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Well, I think for listeners too, you mentioned some of these places. So Gibson is a song that if, you know, listeners go back and listen to Josh Riley's record, he's got a great tune about Gibson, which Mm -hmm. is also about circus folk in that area. And um, yeah, it's, it's interesting when you stop and think about how much it runs through this part of Florida. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's fast. It's fascinating. And then you, and then when you start reading more like the biographies, you know, the Ringling biography and you read up on Edison and, you know, electrocuting the elephant and like all this terrible stuff. You're just like, I had no idea. This is not the stuff you te- They teach in history, and maybe they should, because I, <laughs> I would have been a lot more interested in history. I think. Like If, I, That's kind if of I knew some of that yeah. stuff, yeah. I mean? and fascinating. Like, it's yeah. It's I mean, it's ter- it Really is terrible, yeah. and uh, but it's it really is interesting. I just finished a book called um, "The Radium Girls," and it's about the uh, the Radium Dial Corporation and the Radium paint that they were using that was getting all the- they were getting all these girls sick. Mm-hmm. From like 1918 through into the like the 30, 33, 35, and they were fighting and then refusing to th- say that it was poison. And but that stuff in history just kind of blows my mind, and I'm just fascinated. I think I'm fascinated with it because I don't think a lot of people know about it, and I think they should.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so that some of your reading directly led to a song about Edison and the yeah. elephant. What's, yep. what's
2: the name of that tune? That's called that's The Wizard of Menlo Park, right. which is actually that's what his um that's a biography, great title. Yeah. that's what his biography biography was called. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, actually there's a line in there that talks about Bulls on Parade, which is the the marching of the elephants, but I was like, well that's a that's another song. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't use a rage against that the is machine a, title. A well-known song.
0: That would have helped with searches though. Bulls on Parade. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> Been fooled before. Yeah. Um, this well, you know. Speaking of history, I think one of the things that is always interesting for us is so you're moving around a lot, and you mentioned that you were you were playing, and you were actually seeking out the places you were going to move to based on what you thought the musical demand might be yeah. for performing. When did you pick up a guitar? When did you start playing for real? Because you mentioned the trumpet around the time you're like, yeah, you yeah. know, checking out records and stuff. When did you really start playing? When did you start to have an artistic voice?
2: Um, the first guitar that I wanted so bad that I kind of begged my mom for was a. Uh, uh, When I was in Vegas, I was 12, and we had seen uh, Purple Rain, and um, (laughs) probably way younger than I should have been to see Purple Rain. But my mom was awesome like that. We we also saw Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was really young, too, at UNLV, which was insane. It was crazy. It was crazy. Anyway, um, so I would pass this guitar shop on the bus ride home from school, and this white Ibanez pearl white Ibanez was hanging in the window and in my mind, that was prince 's guitar. I was like, that looks just like prince it doesn 't look anything like Prince's <laughs> guitar. but in my mind it was, and I fell in love with it you know before touching it or any like my mom had the acoustics still, and I was kind of playing but you know I, when you 're a little kid you 're just like electric guitar, rock and roll you know." Mm-hmm. And um, and she traded her guitar and surprised me and bought that guitar for me. Wow, That's great. (laughs) I still have it. I still have. I'll never get rid of that guitar. But um. But yeah. So I got it at twelve. But you know how it is. It's like like when you first get a guitar, you think it's going to be easier than it is, and then it's really difficult to get your fingers to move the right way. The strings kind of hurt your fingers. Um, you're looking at a Mel Bay guitar book and you're just like, I don't this, you know, hot cross buns or, you know, whatever it is I'm supposed to be learning out of this book. Just, is it Led Zeppelin to me? You know, I love yes. your version of hot cross. Buns, <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> One, a penny, two, a penny. <laughs> if you can swing it, it's totally true For though. Sure.
0: I, you know, I had that conversation with people a lot when, you know, they ask, what well, did you take lessons? Like, yeah, I did briefly, but then I stopped and the lessons made me stop because you're learning stuff. You have no interest in learning, yeah. you know, and so you're not, you're not inspired to do it. But of course that gives you the foundation to actually start playing the stuff you know that you actually want to be right. playing yeah you which you don't realize facility, you, you know? don't
2: realize then you're just like this you know or or if you if you find the right teacher like I also had a teacher at that same guitar shop where I got the Ibanez where she gave me she got me a few lessons to get started and like it was just this shredder guy that was just like eventually you will be able to do this <laughs> like, oh,
3: I hope not. <laughs> like,
2: probably not. I don't think I'll ever be able to do that, you know. But that was like, it was like a half hour of him, you know, yeah, dive bombing yeah. with the whammy bar and showing off these crazy riffs and, you know. So basically your mom was paying this guy to practice to, in front of you. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Babysit, musical yeah. babysitting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, but... Really, to answer your question, try to make it shorter is the uh, freshman year of high school when I saw uh, some upperclassmen playing together and like playing a song together in a, in the band room. I was just like, that's it. That's the thing. That's mm-hmm. the thing I've been looking for. Like, me in a room by myself was not it at all. That was cool. And then I was just like, okay. You know, and then I heard them you know, talking like, well, learn the bass line to such and such and we'll work on that tune next week. And I was like, ah yeah like that guy learns the drums and he's the bass and the guitar and there's mm-hmm. a band and then, and then all of a sudden this song is it's happening it's all you know, happening they're playing like "You 2 and the police back then or something like that I was just like this is so
1: this is cool This so is so did it, you, you know? find somebody to, else to connect with like, well, to, like I,
2: or? I did um, I took some I did a small stint of classical guitar uh, one of the guys that used to write for guitar magazine he actually lives in Lakeland now I just <laughs> ran into him after year, all these years oh, I yeah? took some classical lessons from him uh I can't think of his name right now. Um but anyway, I did that for a little bit and then um it took me a while. About junior year of high school I found uh this guy Stan Wright who gave me lessons. It was like really like you know, this is these are the chords that you're playing and this is the relative minor that goes. What's a relative minor? Well, this is the minor chord that goes with that. And then if you play this scale, it works with those chords. And like he started giving me tools instead of just being like, "This is the solo to '18 in Life,' you know,
0: it's
3: like, <laughs> it's in Row.' You know, <laughs> I, had lot, I had a lot of
0: those too. Oh.
2: And I mean, not to knock. You know, those guys are just trying to figure out how to teach a kid and get them excited about music but like when you're just learning the solo to a song you don't have other people that you're playing with you know Mm -hmm. but i did in high school i did there were some other classmen that you know were learning and and we would get together we we played in like jazz band and pop group and we were doing old 50s tunes and that kind of stuff you know real basic but that definitely was like oh okay, okay this is this is it you know and then we started our own band in high school and uh that Irish pub I had mentioned, like we we got our first gig at this place called Buckley's Irish Pub down the road from the restaurant that I worked at. So that was awesome, you know. What I mean, it's like they're gonna pay us money, right? <laughs> to play in this bar, Suckers. Are you kidding? Me? <laughs> so yeah.
0: then, so that was your first band. Yeah, yeah. What was what was the name of your first band? Well, we had.
2: Oh man, this is almost as bad as playing your first song. We had a, we had a group that we called Left of Heaven. And I, I had read something in a Zeppelin uh, biography, and I think it said something about their sound was just a little left of heaven. I was like, oh,
1: what a name! That would be
2: a great name, left of heaven. You know, that was one of the first ones for sure. That's for a, sure.
1: that's that's not terrible. Not too bad. No, I've heard much worse. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: I'm yeah. I've come up. With much worse. Yeah. Well, that does bring us to what was your first song? So when did you? You know, you're starting to learn, and and I'd say. Well, you know, relative to some of our other guests, maybe not that late, but it sounds like you're you're really getting into your craft, you know, in in your later teen years. Yeah, no,
2: I thought that too. I that was the one thing, you know, I thought, wow, I just I should have really dug in earlier, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It, in a way, I was just so excited about doing it that it that that kind of washed away pretty quickly, and then mm-hmm. I just got inspired to practice and.
1: Get I think better it's whenever whenever you have enough desire and drive to yeah to make those fingers stop hurting and, you know, that's (laughs) a really good point. That's That's an excellent point. In
0: context too, you know, like you said, you saw some other people doing it and wanting to do that specifically. And it's like, all right, well, I know what I need to do to be able to do that. You know, that's a thing. And then also the context of everybody learns differently, you know? So having somebody that really, explain to you you know it's similar marketing the right message at the right time you know and figure <laughs> yeah. out you're like oh okay now i get what to do with this yeah. yeah and i know what questions to ask and i don't need all the other stuff i just need this to at least get me going enough to have the capacity to learn more yeah
1: yeah yeah definitely so you're when did the writing kick in the writing
2: was in high school um but i didn't know i was i wasn't really like i'm gonna write songs it was more like I was just journal. I've always been a journal person. Like I've always just written. I think about that now. I think about how often I would carry a journal around with me before I had a cell phone. And I wish I didn't have a cell phone sometimes because I wrote all the time. Like I have, you know, books and books and it's all, it's terrible. I mean, I'm sure it's terrible, you know what I mean? In a way, but at the same time, it's a reflection of who I was at that time. And, and it was very personal and, uh, and I think that's an important thing to, to do to figure out who you are you know have you ever read you,
1: the artist's way do you know what that is i
2: have that book yeah i, ha- I only got about two or
1: three chapters in because journaling is a big part of that yeah right? um and not even good journaling just, it, you know she one of her concepts is the morning pages right right and right. you just write three full pages every morning and it can be whatever whatever it stream is stream of consciousness just to keep the pump primed like you know what i mean like yeah the, oh yeah the flow of language and the um, so maybe you were onto that, like
2: <laughs> before I knew. Yeah, because that that I actually went to a music conference in Atlanta, and a guy turned me onto that book and Stephen King's on writing. Mm. His book on writing is That's just, supposed and to it's, be good. It's so good, man. Yeah. It's I recommend that to anybody artistic or anybody that writes. It's just it's not a it's not it it's not you know <laughs> Pet Cemetery. It's just him talking about his early days before he was Stephen King and the writing process and. Uh you know it's just it's really cool to get that insight from another writer who's done so well for himself, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah the so the writing was like i was I guess I was journaling and then you know I was into poetry and stuff, and then um trying to figure out how to form that poem into what would be a song if I started get like after learning some stuff, you start to get oh, this is kind of a cool progression, kind of here something here you know Mm -hmm. and then start trying to put the words and kind of you know i guess they call it crafting but at the time i didn't know that that's what i was doing but i was trying to craft these these poems and words into into songs you know and then we'd get a few and then we'd play them and it would just feel awesome you know (laughs) i know they were terrible songs but but that band that played in high school that got the gig at the irish pub like we were doing covers like doors and uh we weren't really doing Zeppelin. Sorry, well, I was going to ask Zeppelin. what you were listening <laughs> to at yeah. the time. Yeah, it was less, all that you know, whatever Stones. We did some Stones, um, and, uh, and but then we started doing this thing where we would do a, a set of covers, and then we would do our original music. The second set, mm-hmm. and it was just it always felt better to do the original set. It was mm-hmm. it was so we were just so excited about playing our own songs. Oh, and, yeah. yeah, and then we would close with a with a cover so that everybody could hear what they wanted to hear. Right. Yeah. Send them <laughs> off on a high note. Not yeah. our stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's interesting you say about the journaling piece because, you know, maybe there's somebody who's great at writing melodies, especially just starting out, you know, but the ability to be emotionally aware enough, it's that ability to say something that, like, people can connect with. And if you're not spending the time practicing that, your own emotional depth, you're not probably going to say anything of real meaning or value for anybody, you know, or be able to recognize why a story that you might want to tell is interesting if you were to retell it through song, you know? Yeah. So to your point, I think journaling especially early on and doing it so, um, consistently probably is a huge thing that led to you being such a talented songwriter. Well, I
2: appreciate that for sure. I, but yeah, I mean, it gave me a lot of material that I didn't know I was going to have as I, as I progressed more into it and started writing and wanting to write more. It just gave me a lot to kind of filter back through. And that was very personal right off the bat, which is kind of crazy in a way, um, I don't know. Maybe it isn't. And but it was... but people
0: connect with that. You yeah, know? and that's yeah. true of a lot of different art forms. You know, if you think of poetry, you think of movies. Um, but even things like even more modern, like blogging. You know, and when people first started blogging, the things that were most successful were, you know, stuff that was just like really topical that was right in the public eye, people were searching for. But also the the blogs that were really really um, you know successful were like super personal, and so yeah. people were like really finding something, and that this person was saying something maybe they were feeling. But weren't willing to say out loud and these people were putting it out on the internet yeah, you know? yeah. so it made what they were feeling okay
2: yeah you know yeah and you get other people responding to that like oh my god i felt that way i'm so glad to hear somebody else say that you know or whatever yeah yeah i mean and even just in a little bit of storytelling format uh songwriter shows where you're just you can tell those stories and then people come up and go you know i had that experience with my sister or whatever and I was, thank you so much for your song. You know, and you're just like wow, that's the best.
0: <laughs> uh, t- so first song we we do have to first ask.
2: song that I wrote. Oh man, I'm too old for this man. I... <laughs> that's a great song. Yeah, wow. <laughs> i really don't remember those songs that's like, okay that's okay yeah, we, i have yeah, a yeah. way
1: yeah my mind plows them under like yeah i, it's, I don't, it's don't remember just, it, yeah it, yeah
2: it, and i don't know how intentional it is but i know that they like i said i mean it's like that early work is even if you're excited about it it's terrible but it's just so great that you're doing it it's mm-hmm. just like keep doing it you know just you have to write like a hundred songs a thousand songs to get one good 10, one. Ten thousand know? hours yeah the
1: 10 yeah yeah, yeah. right that's right, right. I'm glad Gladwell? Have yeah. you hit your
2: ten thousand hours? <laughs> I gosh, you know he he put me on. I think that you path. He, he put me on that path for sure. I when yeah. I read that book, I was
0: just like, I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> well, it's funny because when I think of you, I think of you as just a polished professional.
2: I appreciate it. It's you know, it's weird. Like when you're doing it and you play as much as I do, and I think other people talk about that. It's like it's hard to find time for the art- artistic side of what it is that we got into this for, and it's really that part is really hard on me because I want to be. I want to be writing and creating way more than I'm able to. Mm -hmm. But like in season, I'm just like, it's like five, six, seven gigs a week. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, where do I have the energy to get into the music room and try to
1: create something? And you're doing this full time. I mean, you're doing everything from, I know you're doing farmer's markets Mm -hmm. and you're teaching Preschool music. Preschool kids yeah, preschool, music yeah, yeah. and <laughs> you're doing theater shows once in a while and bar gigs and like yeah. house concerts. You doing many of I those? Love, like,
2: I love. I don't do enough of them, but I love them. I absolutely love them. So I've you've done got a few this of
1: mix of things you've, you've yeah. got to do to kind of keep yeah yourself- to
2: make the living happen. Yeah. You know, you have to wear a lot of hats, and not only that. I mean, just that's just the music playing side of it. It's not the booking side. It's not the promotion side. It's oh, not yeah. to make the poster. It's not to mm-hmm. and you know to find another venue or book your band now that you have a band that's wanting right. to play out. You know. You guys know. I mean, you do it yeah. too, you know. But it is—it's—it's kind of maddening because you're every time somebody asks, like, well, when's a new record coming out?" or "When do you—when you, do you have any new songs?" I'm just like, "God, I want to so bad," you know.
1: Well, how do you—how uh, do you do that? Do you—and speaking to Stephen King, like a lot of writers have—they're—they're they're in different camps, but yeah. a lot of writers are like, every day from eight o'clock to eleven o'clock, I'm writing no matter what. Yeah. No matter if it's a crappy day and I hate everything I'm doing, that's yeah. when I'm writing. Do you have? Can, are you able to set aside time? I want to do that, too. It's one of those things where, like, my preschools, I got to be
2: at work at, like, 9 or 9.30 at some of the schools. And right. so, like, a morning session would be, have to, you know, get up at 5 or 6. And, I mean, it's an excuse not to do it, but it is something. And a lot of times what happens is that's coming off of a, a night where I've gigged three or four hours and I've gotten in at two or three o'clock in the morning sure. and then I'm like getting up to go teach kids I'm gonna and... <laughs> go
1: face preschool <laughs> yeah
2: and try not to lose my faces. speaking hey, of Stephen hey, King novels
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> but yeah so you know uh, along the lines of like that artist's way I've, I've been reading other books like encouraging the writing process like bird by bird is Mm -hmm. one and uh writing down the bones is another one Mm -hmm. and i've been doing those times i've been trying to give myself 10 minute time sessions because it's like you know the idea of going to the gym and working out for two hours can be pretty daunting but if you go i'm just going to go and i'm going to do some cardio and the next thing you know you're like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna lift a little bit I today or, little you know what longer. i mean it's like i can yeah. i can hang a little longer or i'm gonna oh let me do some core workout you know but if you so it's like that's those little increments of time and like if i do those 10 minute time writings it actually turns into 20 30 40 minutes mm-hmm. i just keep bumping the clock up right. and continuing the journaling you know mm-hmm. right. and and that and uh, and i think the reading is another big part of it too like as the more i read the more inspired i am to write and i think hopefully the more I am inspired to write better. Mm -hmm. You know, just just taking in somebody else's work and going, Man, that what a great way to put that, you know. Mm -hmm. Cormac McCarthy, I got on I got on his just was on a I've roll. I've read all of his stuff.
1: God, he's so good. He's amazing. Man. It is. It's dark. It's, it's really super dark. super dark and violent, yeah. but it's compelling yeah. as hell.
2: It's hard because... So I do the audio books now because I barely have time to sit and read a book and I drive so much. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But then, like, you know, I was finishing the road and I'm getting it to a gig and the guy... I don't want to spoil it, but the end of the book comes, and I'm just like I'm in tears, <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta go play this happy swing music <laughs> uh, that's at this brewery. <laughs> so this next song, <laughs> it's really, you can dance to it. We're sure. all doomed.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you can tip me or don't, it
0: doesn't matter. Or do We're all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting you're talking about reading. So we had Jesse Terry in our first episode. He's a great songwriter. And we asked him about, you know, does he listen to music? He said, you know, I, when I'm listening, I have to just sit and listen. I can't yeah. really listen and take it in. But he said he was reading a lot or trying to read a lot more. Do you, like, are you listening to music that you're getting influenced by, too? Is that influencing your writing? Or are you... Expanding your knowledge vocabulary, for lack of a better term, and that's what's helping influence you right now.
2: Well, the, the reading thing is kind of it's kind of new. I was fighting the audio books because I'm I just love having a book in my hand. Like all that stuff that I all the research I did for the circus was just book in hand, read the book. That's mm-hmm. it. I love having it. I love having it on the shelf and mm-hmm. seeing that history there. You know. Um, but then I was just like, I was listening to Pandora and I would listen to comedy because it kept me up at night on the late night drives. I was la- I'm like laughing and like <laughs> these bits, you know, and people probably thought I was crazy, but it it was keeping me engaged because songs sometimes, you know, they can put you out. I mean, they're, you know, beautiful right. and sad and you're just like driving down I- 75 True. and <laughs> <laughs> fading into the other lane, you know. And then I just, I think I heard every single comedy bit there there is, uh, you know, unless they come out with a new special. And then my wife's been on the audiobook thing. I was like, ah, oh, let me give this a shot, you know? And, um, and then I started listening and i was trying to go back and read classics or anything that I haven't read that I shouldn't have re- read. You know, they should have read, you know, mm-hmm. and Kurt Vonnegut. I went, I read through some of his stuff and Kerouac and, uh, just all that stuff. I probably didn't read like I should have in high school or maybe, you know, I think a lot of times books are good to revisit when you get older because your perspective on what they were writing about is different, you mm-hmm. know? Definitely. So, um, But yeah, like I'm just, I'm obsessed with having a book going just, and, and I just have to balance that out music wise. I'm, you know, I, I got into the Django thing and I just became obsessed with Django Reinhardt. Reinhardt. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So excellent. Talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So I, with the circusy kind of stuff that I started writing, um, I think I saw, I think it was Phil trainer was a local artist and, uh, saw him at the hideaway. And this is before I knew who Django was and I was, but I was playing like circus queen and walkers and some of these walking baseline jazzy kind of things and he's just like have you ever heard of Django Reinhardt I'm like no he's like, you need to listen to him you need to check him out you know and
1: then I just I it's like, 30s 40s yeah swing yeah jazz music and Django was playing acoustic guitar acoustic guitar yep and he played a
2: little violin but that wasn't his that wasn't the strong part of his deal right a little bit of banjo too but um he he was a great guitar player he was I think he had gotten signed on to do a tour with a French singer and uh, had gone home to the trailer. I mean, they, live, they were gypsies. I mean, literally gypsies, you know. And his, I think his wife made, like, celluloid flowers or something like that. He knocked over a candle and set the trailer the trailer on fire and threw a blanket around him and, and his wife and got them out of there safely. But the left side of his body was burned. They were going to amputate his leg, but but he wouldn't let them do it but in that his hand got burnt so bad that his pinky and his ring finger were singed and there was a scar on the back that kind of pulled the fingers back. A lot of people think he lost his fingers, but he actually did still have his fingers, but he can only play with his thumb and his index and his middle finger. Most people would have given up, you know. Think of like Tony Iommi like snapping off his fingertips and putting those metal tips on it, you know, changing mm-hmm. the way the guitar sounded under his playing, but so he just retaught himself how to play guitar, and everything became super linear. Like I was always taught to play in this box to make it convenient. You know, you're 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 basically in that little box of four frets. But his, you know, his his arpeggios are like they go all the way down and the just neck, running all the way. Yeah, up. yeah, all the way down. You know, and it's so cool. And like even his note choice had to change because he only had the use of two fingers. So sometimes he'll play these little melodies in a place that like, maybe he wouldn't have thought to play them that way. You know. When I'm studying a piece of his, I will try to like, you know, obviously not a tempo, but I'll try to like play with the two finger approach just to see.
0: Do tape off your. <laughs> 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 Give
2: me the painter's tape. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> oh, it's Django.
0: It's so interesting, though, you know, so often invention comes from, you know, from a challenge, right? You're trying sure. to solve a problem. Yeah. So it's so interesting how those accidental things happen that are make him so singular and unique and special yeah
2: no it's just the music is amazing
0: so
1: you're still studying like I just read a Facebook post or something you said oh I spent the morning studying Django you (laughs) you know
2: well it's weird because it's it's really hard it's not it's but it seems I don't know I don't know how to explain it there's just so much beautiful simple melody going on but there's it's so difficult the way he had to play to get my hands and my fingers and my head around what he was doing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, well, I got a pair of scissors in the other room. Just... <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> I don't want to, I'd rather be, you know, not as good <laughs> and keep my fingers, but it's just, you know, you like minor blues is one of the songs that I've been working on. And there's like a two bar run. That's like this crazy chromatic thing that he did effortlessly that I can't, I just can't get up to tempo or even a decent tempo to make it, you know, it sounds like the record. On the <laughs> wrong speed.
3: <laughs> <You know? laughs>
2: but I love that challenge you know what I mean and so as far as you know I know this listening wise and just I listen to a lot of his stuff and um and then you know he was such a fan of American jazz so it kind of comes back around to you know uh Louis Armstrong was mm. a big he was a big fan of his and and Dizzy and, and came over and did some stuff in the states and so he plays a lot of standards which is great for me because I'm I didn't really learn all those, but I remember like my grandfather and my, or my grandmother, especially like just singing, just, you know, in the kitchen, singing an old Gershwin tune or something, mm-hmm. you know. So it's, it's all kind of come back around to the family and, and it's, it's making me learn those older tunes. And it's fun for me because I can't play as good as Django, but I can sing and he didn't. So I sing, I sing some of those old tunes and I try to incorporate what I've learned from his technique of playing. Mm-hmm. And it's just a constant challenge.
0: And now, a quick interlude about one of the companies supporting this podcast. Ed, I think we can both agree that the best-tasting songs are those that happen naturally.
1: That's true. Wait, you can't really taste a song, though.
0: That part's not... That's also true of the food we choose to consume, which is why our favorite new artist on the healthy protein charts is ButcherBox. 100% grass-fed beef delivered on dry ice to your door anywhere in the lower 48.
1: So, does that make Alaska like the upper... Yeah, just open the
0: box. If you're into more genres than just beef, ButcherBox has you covered. They also deliver Alaskan wild sockeye salmon, free-range organic chicken... Wow,
1: there's got to be like 11 pounds of meat in here.
0: Heritage-breed pork and special bacon. Special bacon? Special, because it's free. Use code SONGDIVERS at checkout to get $20 off and free bacon in your first ButcherBox. And... Shipping's free too. Special bacon and special shipping. That's special. Now, can you grill as well as you can play guitar? Visit ButcherBox.com to order. So you're learning this stuff both because you're playing out and you need filler for those gigs that have the supplemental yeah. cover stuff, but. Yeah. sounds like you're learning them also just to advance your own songwriting.
2: Yeah, well, I want to get better at playing the guitar. Like, you know, I've always been a band guy. I mean, like, my my fascination with the high school band was, like, I always wanted to be in a band. I didn't want to be a solo guy. Mm -hmm. But at some point, if you write the songs and stuff and you want to play, you want to play, I think more often than not, you want to play more than anybody else does because you're so excited about what you're writing and creating – that might not be the case in every band, but it's it comes to it comes to a point where you're just like, I could do this every single day of my life, and I could travel the world doing it, and not be famous, but I would still love doing it. You know. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I was gonna say, like, when when did the human condition uh, finally break up? When when was that? That was because uh, it wasn't that concurrent with you. After that, you really decided to go solo. Wasn't
2: yeah, it? yeah. Well, you know, it was like that was like a ten year run. Okay. But it was just like you lose a drummer and you lose a guitar player you lose a bass player you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean and then band meetings tend to break up bands I guess because there were two different instances where I can remember one was supposed to be discussing management and that band broke up like that night and then and <laughs> happened then, to the, the I, Beatles then, so you know. yeah <laughs> and it wasn't about that it was about something else and I was just like I finally got us to a point where somebody else is interested in helping us and <laughs> we're gonna break up now seriously <laughs> And then the next one was, uh, you know, it was uh, just a couple members were just just couldn't hang in it, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was losing too many people at that point. Um, and then I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna do this by myself for a while right. and figure it out, because people like also that's when about the time that a time and a place came out. So it was 2013, right around there, right. 2013, 2014, and I had I had gone in to make a solo record because people were like. We're missing your songs. Like, we're going to the gigs, and there's five pieces, and everybody's doing stuff, and it's bigger than the song is, and I don't hear the song anymore. Right. When are you going to record just a solo record? My wife's yeah. like that. She'd rather come <laughs> and
1: see you you and your guitar. She'd rather see me and my just guitar strip or down. Stefan and his guitar. Right, right. yeah. So I He know just a lot said of that people. last one to be nice. <laughs> no she would that's what she likes where you so. really
2: hear the song I mean that's right. it's you know back to what it's all about why it was written the the core of it is there and if you can play it solo on acoustic right. it's probably a good song you totally know? Yeah. Um, but so and then another thing with me is just like if if friends or fans whatever you want to call it, I always think of them as friends at this point but if they start telling you what they want you give them what they want like it's it's not a problem for me to go in and record a solo record
1: you know mm-hmm. so um did you find that kind of freeing? Did you It I did. did you
2: enjoy it? I did and it, but at the same time it's just like it, it there's the weight of like I'm responsible for all of this, you know what yeah. I mean? Every decision. But um it was kind of a brave leap. It for was. You to take. Yeah, it was it was but I knew I the thing that was not so brave was that I knew I had an audience that wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that they wanted to hear it simply so i didn't really focus on a lot of production i just was like i'm just going to go in and play these songs and we're just i think so i recorded at zen i know zen's been mentioned steve Connolly, you know Mm -hmm. he's he's worked i've worked with him since 2007 i think Mm -hmm. um so i went in with him and our thing was just like three four instruments max guitar vocal and then maybe piano maybe shaker maybe Mm -hmm. but don't you know don't overthink it just Right. stick to that and and let the songs that's what people want to hear they want to hear it stripped down so strip it down you know yeah. and uh, and he helped me really commit to that and uh, did so. he slap you every time you tried yeah, to yeah over man xylophone. he is violent <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think he's seeing somebody for that
1: so is, is the, <laughs> the let me ask you because you've been working on a new record for a while yeah is, are you is the pendulum swinging back to are you adding more instrumentation?
2: Yeah, so that was this follow up. The other the hard part about this one was it was the first record that I did as a solo artist where I wanted to actually have a band play on it. Mm-hmm. So then it's like I used to always have a band and then like we released five together. Basically like our method was we're broke. Let's let's figure out what songs we want to record. Let's get really good at them and then let's go do them live mm-hmm. with really minimal overdubbing. So we did at least two records like that with steve where we just went in as a live band and just Mm. two takes of the five songs that we're gonna do and the best take makes it and that's it that's you know it's like you're unhappy with it (laughs) it's like that straight note chaser that felonious monk video it's like i hope you got your i hope you got it right because he's gonna put it out
1: (laughs) whatever it was
2: but yeah so that was our method of of it's like
1: ronnie you said like uh you know it's always first take like yeah, I suppose he's
2: that's there, the one you want to keep. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Yes, that's Steve Connolly. He's yeah. like, I suppose you want to keep that one. And Ronnie's like, well,
0: yeah, yeah, that's that's the one. <laughs> yeah, what was wrong with it? <laughs> <laughs> so, how, how is? Uh, well, I'm interested. We we always ask everybody this question, um, and especially knowing how much journaling you've been doing, and, and I'm interested to hear how your writing's changed over the years. Are you a lyrics first, title first, music first writer?
2: I am primarily. I have this thing more recently where it's lyrics and melody together like i start hearing the line and it comes with a melody like and i don't always know if it's the title or the i think more often than not it's probably it's probably the title of the song in a way and i've gone through in the past i think i've made you know i think with songwriting you're not supposed to (laughs) necessarily have the title in the verse it's supposed to be in the chorus but i'm not i've not always subscribed to that and not not intentionally like i'm gonna change the rules it's just like this what is what feels right to me you know mm-hmm.
1: most of my songs don't even have a chorus
2: right <laughs> it's just you know verses and bridges verses. Yeah, bridges so. are great i yeah. love bridges too so. I, I, I lately the last two bridges i've written i think i think are not the right bridges for the song so that's that's frustrating me but
1: so you're writing the melody and the lyrics start to come with the melodies just yeah. without a guitar in your yeah hearing, this is of? just okay. like
2: a lot of the writing is like in the car like like well even like you and me tonight was this like Driving down. I didn't play that one, but that one was like driving home from Texas. And I've just started singing some of the words. And then I started singing some more of the words. And then I would get another idea for another word. And then and then I started I'm like, this is a tune. Like, this is, I'm going to record this on my phone, you know. So and you got just, your guitar out, you're driving no. with your knees.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was the thing. It was almost, it was almost really exciting that I'm like, I'm like really completing this song, just seeing this idea and don't have an instrument on me at all you know and then I did I did another song that's going to wind up on the the new record um, where I made myself write a melody on the piano to start with and I I think initially I, th- I was thinking it was going to be an instrumental piece and then I started writing the melody and I don't really play piano that well so it was really like hunting and pecking and figuring out chords and stuff and but then I started getting the words and I was like oh, that melody beautiful and It'd be a shame not to put some words on top of it. Yeah. I I <laughs> you know what I mean? It's I've like been there the, yes. Yeah. Because it was so focused on melody, whereas I don't know that everything else that I do is. Mm-hmm. It was just really like I did I just did that with a Christmas tune too. I was like, I'm gonna write this instrumental gypsy jazz kinda swingy Christmas song. And then I started hearing lyrics. And then I'm like, oh, man, all right Here we go again. And I haven't put out a song in quite a bit. So I was, I was excited about that. So like in a week, I wrote a Christmas tune. <laughs> uh-huh. So <laughs> you're, a,
0: you're a song first writer. I guess so. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, are people walking up to you like, hey, Dean, when, when are you going to put something new out?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, a little bit.
1: A little bit, you know. Yeah.
2: Well, it's that thing where um, I feel, feel like I've kind of hit a wall with some things. Like where creatively, I'm not finishing. I'm starting a lot of stuff. But I'm not finishing a lot of things, you know. And I'm also trying to figure out how to reorganize the way that I write because I've always been a journal kind of in the book in hand with a pen writer. Uh And now I'm so busy that it's like I need to. I I utilize Google Drive, and I've been creating Google Drive docs so that I can access my songwriting anywhere that I am. So if I'm on my phone, it's already it's already there. You know what I mean? Right. And that's been a big help. um, And and I see them more. And I've also right. got videos on my phone where I'm just like, that stuff is buried and I never see it. And then I forget that it's there. And then yeah. they like, oh, that's right, I made a song video file. And I go through it, like, I don't remember. I don't, I mean, I'm obviously playing it and singing that part, but I have no recollection. <laughs> like, I definitely don't have that many, but I definitely, I got to that point where I was just like, I don't see these. I don't, you right. know what I mean? I have to really make a point of digging for it. And I don't really do a lot of the prompt style songwriting um, Uh, I think I, I've got maybe one or two songs where I just like took a title prompt kind of idea and like, let me see if I can write something to this, you know? Um, there's a song I do now called the road that was, that was a prompt. It was a group called the journey and they were filming the day-to-day lives of musicians and you were supposed to like write a song in the process about your journey, and I got the road out of it. And I didn't think it was much of a tune and then I started playing it out and people responded to it. And I was like, All right, I guess it's a song. You know mm-hmm. I mean? It's nice when it happens. <laughs> it is. It's nice, you know. So I don't the the thing that scares me about those songwriting groups is I I'm slow. I'm I feel like I'm a really slow writer. I like to take my time. I like to make sure. I don't know, I just you know, even in that like I was saying with the Google Drive document thing around writing my songs, it's like I'll revisit a verse and I'm just like that word could be that word should be better you know and i'll put things in parentheses where i'm just like i could say this or i could say that let me think you know what i mean so then then it gives me the option so i don't forget Mm -hmm. it might be junk it might i might it might go away but usually if i put it in parentheses it's a reminder that like that could be the the better line but well you know so if i'm getting more i don't want to like stall the process of actually getting more of the song Mm -hmm. so i kind of write it that way and then so I don't really do, in a way, I don't have to do rewrites almost because I'm already like, mm-hmm. it's like I'm rewriting in the process of writing the yeah, 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 before I even get it done, you know. I don't know if that's the smartest thing, but maybe that's why it takes so long, too.
0: Well, it's yeah. okay. Everybody's process is different. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, yeah, and that's the kind of writer you are, and those are the kinds of songs. I mean, your songs are finally crafted, you know. I, it's interesting because Ronnie was said just the opposite. Yeah. He said, I, I don't rewrite at all. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever comes out. And yeah. those songs are great. They're great. And they have a power from that moment, from that, you know, yeah, from that, uh, the, the, everything that is Ronnie is, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. a, there's
2: like more to it than it's just the way he says the words, mm-hmm. the, the descriptive parts of what he's saying. Right. It's like a novelist has got a guitar and he's, telling you this story very much just i mean like i get wrapped up and when he's performing on some things that he does or i'm just like man it's It's spoken word
1: poetry he's not holding back you know it's tom but whereas what you and i are doing is more like a yeah we're
2: trying construction yeah (laughs) yeah it's definitely construction yeah yeah. so
0: and i'm interested in the evolution of that construction too because when i think of the human condition and the stuff i really liked there was so much of you in that but like at the time, and even going back and listening to my research for this episode, like there's this upbeat pop sensibility there in that acoustic style rock, hmm. you know? But there's a lot of personal stuff there. You know, yeah. you were talking a lot about, and, and like, sorry, in the meantime, is one of my favorite tunes of yours that I know has been around for a long time. And that is an old, you know, very personal tune. You yeah, know, and yeah. Very first person. But then a lot of the stuff you're doing now, which is so cool and interesting, is all very, um, you know, it's you're observing. You know, or you're telling a story or you're talking about the history of, of you know, I yeah, yeah, mentioned, you know, all the, the stuff about Ringling and what you're seeing there and how interesting that is. And so I think I'm interested in, in how that's shifted. Shifted? Because for me, the, a lot of it hasn't shifted yet. I'm still very a first person writer. So, yeah. It's, I think hopefully for listeners, but for me, I'm, I'm especially interested. I think
2: what happened was um, growing up in a band where my first songs were written through journaling that was extremely personal. And, um, and then with The Human Condition, I mean, that continued with the band in Atlanta. That continued with The Human Condition. I mean, the, the reason it was called The Human Condition was our old bass player said, you basically write about what it's like to live in The Human Condition. I'm like, ah, it's, there's a name in there, you know? And that's basically what I, I mean, that, that was it, you know? But at, at some point, as I got older, you know, it's like you kind of grow out of telling that your same story over and over again. And you're interested in other things and other people and other stories, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's weird because you know, like sometimes I wish I was a better writer, younger, so I could have maybe voiced some of those personal songs better. And now I'm like off of it right now. I'm just like I'm tired of my story. I've told everybody everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all it's all there. You know, um, I think I'll maybe go back to it again, but. I don't think I'm I don't think I'm missing from anything that I'm writing right now because everything I write about I'm really interested in and I connect with it in some way. Even if it's a story from history, there's something there's something in me that wants to tell that story. But there a lot of times there's there are a lot of stories, but what's the story that connects with you mm-hmm. that you want to tell? Like that becomes more important to me. I could write I mean there's a ton of stuff that happens. There's a ton of stuff in history. Even the Gibsonton stuff. I mean, the Carnies and the sideshow. And like, there was way more stuff there than got written. But I had to focus on what really connected, like to me. What how I, with Why you. do
1: I? Yeah, what resonates mm-hmm. with me in that in those stories? You know. Well, Stefan mentioned. Uh, sorry, in the meantime, you want to play that one?
2: Yeah, sure. I can do
1: that. <laughs>
3: the past the stains, our pictures, with time and our erase, we have held our grudges, and pretending not to hate, all oh, the things bring us to these troubled days. I don't want to hear what you are doing fine, I don't Lines about the last time or the time before you don't owe me yours. But I can give you mine, and we will both be sorry in the meantime. time They try to improve their line And you have got your reasons So why would you see mine? Who's to pass the judgment? Who will take the blame All the things bring us to these troubled days? I don't want to hear what you are doing time before.
0: So Dean, you're, you you know, we talked about a little bit about the fact that you're learning covers both because you want to continue to expand your repertoire, but also to fill out gigs. Um, what's your favorite cover? What do you say is like your best cover? I really
2: love this version of Brazil that we're doing right now. It's an old, old tune. And we do a version of it that, um, the hot club of Austin that I learned from like watching the hot club of Austin. And, um that's one of the ones it's really it's tricky it's got some great chord changes the melody's really interesting there's not really a designated chorus um it's just fun to play it's really challenging and
1: we might as well since we're on that topic we might as well give a shout out to the 24 hour man yeah yeah uh, sure it's a band tune you're talking about right yeah yeah i
2: do it solo sometimes but but it's really fun to play with the band tell us about those guys yeah so uh mark pezzo plays upright bass on that one um In that band, rather. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mark used to play with the Human Condition, actually. He's an old bass player from that band. And then when I started thinking about expanding a little bit, I was like, if you are interested in playing upright bass... and like old swing music (laughs) we'll get along just fine yeah and he was totally up for it you know he's looking for an excuse to buy one of those for years so it's
0: not often you ask that of someone the first person you ask says
2: yeah well he i (laughs) knew he was one of the guys in the band that i mean they were all great to work with but he was he was really has always been really easy to work with and up for just about anything that he could possibly do um and i didn't know how busy i could keep them and you know so and he's got a regular job and so there were, there were a lot of factors and i, and I like the guy i mean it's mm-hmm. you know it makes a difference people that are in bands have become my friends i, I have a lot of acquaintances but the bands probably become the closest people to me you know personally mm-hmm. it's just one of those things you're sharing experience with these guys and it's it's more than you do with anybody else i think yeah. you know
0: creatively yeah. and
2: just emotionally all that stuff
0: especially if you're doing it full time yeah you yeah. know like that a lot of people you know you're meeting people at work and that is your work yeah And then you've got Max Kelly on drums. Max Kelly on drums. Where would you
2: meet Max? Max and I play... So I play in a a Roomba duo called Duende. We do Spanish um, instrumental guitar music. And um, Max would come in for trios every once in a while and play. And when I was... Every once in a while I would sound check with like a swing tune. He would kind of tap along on the cajon with the brushes. And I was just like, oh, that would be so cool. (laughs) Instead of having like full-on drums... Uh, and it would kind of fit the sound in a way mm-hmm. and not be too loud for the songs and all that stuff and so I started talking with him about playing and just fell is into he, place I'm trying to remember is he playing like a
1: cocktail kit or something like no that, he's just really he's still stripped down like, yeah he
2: plays his cajon and he uh-huh. uses brushes he's got a uh like a single timbal and a splash cymbal and um he plays shaker and tambourine with his foot yeah mm-hmm. and so it's just it's a really interesting setup and it's right. just what the music needs it's mm-hmm. you know it's and not, then
1: who's who's the fourth member <laughs> jack jack, jack petzo who's is oh that's mark's, <laughs> so that's mark's son yeah <laughs> i love that he's always there <laughs> yeah like, playing tambourine
2: tambourine yeah man. very serious how, how old tell everybody he's how like six he, or seven six. years old <laughs> yeah
1: yeah he's always on the side of the stage you have to watch tambourine. out
0: for labor laws there Dina. yeah
2: well he 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 likes it so uh you know i think if you don't pay him then you don't get in trouble <laughs> that kid is on me though he'll come up he came up to me uh he came up to me once, and we played a farmer's market together in Sarasota. and We were hanging back at the house after. Makes it like, sound like it was
1: just you and Jack
2: at yeah, the farmer's like, market.
1: Hey, Mark, drop <laughs> off your son. Sorry.
2: Mark's like, "Can I play the gigs?" Like, no, no. You, you call, cost him. You much. cost him. <laughs> <laughs> just want to say, but he said, uh, he's he's hanging out at the house for a little bit. And he's like, uh, he's like, so I'm wondering.
0: I don't remember. Did we get paid or? Because yeah. <laughs> I don't remember getting paid. My accountant is asking me and. I can turn <laughs> these is, in, man. man.
2: It's so funny. He's all about it. He's all about it. It's hysterical. That's great. But See, yeah, so that band is is fantastic to work with. And we do our our theme speakeasy nights, and we do. I basically put those together because uh, in in reaching out to festivals uh, and trying to get bigger gigs, sometimes they don't want a solo singer songwriter guy. They want mm-hmm. somebody. They want somebody with a band. And my idea was like, well, you know, if we can do festival sets and showcases at certain places, and I'll have a band ready to go,
0: you know? And are you doing some of the new stuff with that band? Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the tunes you guys are working on? I know you work on some new stuff. We, um, we are doing the road
2: and little yellow leaf and all the circus stuff. Um, we learned that Christmas tune together. Um, and then Mark and I just went, we did the hideaway gig together as a duo and we just focused on the older stuff and the Americana Mm -hmm. stuff. And some of the new, I have this new group of tunes that are, Americana-ish from visits out to Colorado and uh-huh. thinking about that history oh, and learning yeah. some great stories and uh, I started I'm thinking that those are probably going to be the next record to follow-up to this one and I'd like to do that like live and get it done quick like yeah. you know just nail it and be done you know to, uh, pick one pick one of the circusy ones to do yeah I'll do uh, Red Eye and Red Light Good Night how about that
1: yeah I love that one. <laughs>
3: Set them up and break 'em down. But greeting so long is in and out of town tonight. You'll move your funny bones, tingling from the sound through the bigger phone. home humble when hit the road all right. Red eye, red light. My dear friend There's some folks are me there Sliding down the rails From town to town They'd better pull your weight Or the heavy hand of fate. Throw you out the boxcar To the ground Midnight Red light Of the night I Set him up and break Sound big, big phone. Said at home, humble, when you hit the road, all right. Red eye, red light. Old camel got the jake from the walkers He did take. Tried our best to keep it down low. Rumors are a disease, and they spread with careless Bringing certain someone's in the know. Red eye, red light. Shocking truth, the wizard used to prove a pity point. What was it he did say about nonviolence in his day? Let it be shown that actions pulse more true than words. Have you heard red eye, red light? Set him up and break him down. The greatest show around it is in an out of town night. You'll move your funny bones, tingly form a sound through the big phone. See the home home hit the road all right. Red eye, red light, good night. Good night.
1: Do you wanna talk about when the record's gonna be done?
3: We man, we went
2: through the ring. I lost a computer in the process and I had been doing some tracking at home and I lost tracks. Um, the horn, horn tracks from a guy that was coming in to, to record, and um, then I was trying to replace that. And then, um, you know, it's it's definitely on me. It's just you know, you, you have the money to record, and then all of a sudden you don't, and then you got to go out and play a bunch of gigs and sure. build. And Steve's been like super kind with his time and just generous. And I just won't, I just won't take advantage of that ever. You know what I mean? Right. It's just I know that he doesn't make anywhere near. The amount of work that he puts in and what he does no, I know nobody that. will ever pay him enough money for that yeah, you know what, what i mean yeah, and he's he
0: is so generous no he's time, he's awesome
2: know? and just you know just there's so many things about working with him that I absolutely love and and I feel comfortable in the studio, and I feel like I can take the criticism and i can and he can tell me when I'm overthinking too, you know, and I know he'll be honest, mm. and that's
0: oh, he'll be honest that is so important,
2: <laughs> but it's so important it is. you know and he's honest in a good way, he's honest in a way that's that's true, it's not, he's with you, yeah, he's totally with you yeah. the whole time,
0: you know, and he's and he's he it's like there's he's a, he he's in, from the time you start, he's invested, like yeah, you know, and that's because of the like you said, he's giving so much of his time, and he wants to see the work it made, so he's so good yeah. about figuring out how mm-hmm. to help you do that,
1: yeah. How's, how have you been You happy with the results so far? I mean, is it coming along the anything way you, that's, you would like it to? Anything
2: I don't like is my thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, Performance you're Yeah, own, just like, like there, there are some songs that I feel like are just like it feels natural. It feels like I cut this, it, we cut this together or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there are other ones like it feels like it's just trying too hard to be the right song or the right or whatever not not so much the songs it's basically it comes down to performance issue for me Mm -hmm. I don't like the vocal on a few tunes and I there's a tone on uh, the solo for a song that I'm going to go and replace in two weeks I got scheduled for a Thursday two weeks from now and we're really close but what I'm making myself do now is listen to the roughs as much as I can Mm -hmm. and re-familiarize myself with the record and think more about what it needs and what it doesn't and just noting like this one's done that one's done that one's done so you're close i think we're close man and i'm i'm scared to say it because i've said that a few times go ahead there's a lot of wood in the room (laughs) knock on wood (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh yeah 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 i think we're really close just a couple little you know and then i had this idea for dialogue i think it goes back to the whole soundtrack thing where i wanted dialogue um, spoken in French, and <laughs> trying to find people that speak French is then another part of it. You know, it's like maybe two or three lines, um, and I think there's going to be a bed of music underneath. It. And then Steve's daughter said that she would do some parts, so I'm thinking about what those. Initially, it was all male to me, but I that that when she when that came up, I was like, oh, that's intriguing. Maybe I can figure something out there. You know, mm-hmm. it'd be little snippets of stuff, but it's just those little additions that I think will it'll kind of help me fully realize what i wanted this record to be you know and I've, it's been this long why sounds now? like a concept album. it is yeah. it definitely is it's a movie that hasn't been written in my mind you know what i mean it's like i can mm-hmm. see it there i can see all the characters i kind of see i almost want to write out something you know to to go along with it but
1: well, what know. are we doing here let's go over to zen and finish it <laughs> <laughs> you
2: guys can handle
0: it well and i think you know you're talking about being really critical of your own work which is just true of every artist you know mm-hmm. to varying degrees certainly but i think feedback loops important like we're obviously huge fan of your uh, fans of yours but you've had some notable gigs and done some notable stuff that i think is important to note i mean south by southwest dripping springs yeah. i don't know if you want to talk about that at all but like that feedback loop is important you've been to some places that are you know very validating things for songwriters
2: yeah, no, I I mean, I've been honored. That's I kind of that's one of the things that really keeps me going, especially with the day-to-day gigs where you're just like this is a pocket feeder and hopefully there'll be some more soul feeders like at some mm-hmm. point because it's when you're doing those 3 and 4 hours like, you know, and that's another reason why I branched out of like doing the a lot of like, sorry in the meantime, or Godspeed, or right? like, I, I'm not going to play those songs to an audience that doesn't care to listen to them. It really hurts my feelings. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. so. But the yeah. swingy kind of stuff and the instrumentals and you know, learning other people's tunes, I don't care if they listen or not. I'm loving playing those songs, you know. But you know, those festivals definitely give me that boost. If I get to go to one of those and play, it's you know, the audiences are educated in how to how to treat a musician, an artist, you know, and the, uh, and I think
1: the hideaway cafe is another uh, situation like that yeah. lo- locally here where you can kind of yeah, feed that. Yeah. No, it's a great
2: listening room. Are it's... there
1: other venues? Like, is there anything down in Sarasota uh, County?
2: We have Fogartyville down there.
1: Yeah. I played uh, there with you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We did that
2: in the round with Rebecca. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, fun. Uh, it was great. Uh, that's a good room. That, that room is, they, pay attention. They're there for the show. It's a Mm -hmm. show, you know, it's not a restaurant gig. It's an event, it's a show, it's a venue, you know? And I think that's, that's another important part of it too. Less TVs and more, you know, everybody aimed at the stage and Mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to be like that. It's not an ego thing. It's just my, my frustration is that we miss opportunities to share moments together because we're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a big thing for me with the live thing. It's just like, I just, I crawl in a hole. I just, dig back into myself and play in the corner, you know. But then when I have those opportunities, it's like something else happens. It's a real connection. It is, man. And it changes the way I perform and the way I feel.
0: So, Dean, you've gotten to do some what I would consider, at least current like gigs I'd like to go do. But but two questions. So, what's been your favorite gig you've ever played? And then follow that up with, what's your dream gig?
2: Um, I, I can't pick a specific favorite gig, but some of my favorite gigs have been playing on stages where I saw some of my heroes play like I did um I did CBGB's in New York not that I saw a lot of bands play there but the history of that place with Blondie and the Talking Heads and the Ramones and just we played like on a Tuesday night to nobody but when I stepped on that stage I was like I man it just chills you know I mean just like that's the history here is amazing and then uh Masquerade in Atlanta I saw Fugazi play one of their five five dollar shows such a cool spot there and i was just like ian mckay
3: is right there like this is crazy you know
2: and then then a couple of years later the band had formed and we got to play the masquerade and i was just like it was another one of those moments where i, had, I needed to just take a second and just look at that terrible floor and just be like i'm standing in the same <laughs> place this guy
0: stood you know
2: um that one and then locally the palladium i got to play the main stage of the palladium opening for robbie krieger and i had seen uh i had also seen tommy Manuel play that stage like two times and tommy's just an alien of a guitar player and then robbie krieger you know it's like oh, yeah. the doors yeah. like holy cow That crew so,
1: at the palladium is great oh like, man i've done shows there with the florida B- orchestra you know, yeah yeah um, and it's just a great experience the, th- the theater is cool and everybody on the staff is fantastic yeah like yeah no, they they were like, oh,
2: so we're thinking like, well, so we'll announce you, and if it's okay, and then we'll have the spotlight follow you out to the center. And I'm like, I'm used to people telling me to turn down because I'm playing too loud; <laughs> they can't
0: eat their meal. <laughs> like, you can do
2: it. This is great. And they were like helping me load
0: in, and it was. Is just, this is this John Johansson over here? <laughs> Bean Johnson. Yeah. <laughs>
2: but yeah, it's a little. It's it's been stuff like that that uh, that have I have kind of been my favorite gigs, and then. Dream gig wise man i I don't know I, I um maybe just playing more of those kind of rooms you know just the, those those big rooms that have that history something just gets inside of you you know it just makes you feel so good to, mm-hmm. to play in in that in those places where people have kind of like burned that path ahead of you and you get to kind of follow in their footsteps just for a few minutes it's mm-hmm. just that's the best love it
0: so Dean, you talked about um uh, obviously that you're working on stuff what's uh, what's your goal for the next? five years what are you what are you looking to do and and tell us too in that like what do you want people to look out for where do you want them to go see you how can everybody support you
2: yeah uh well um main goal is to get this record done and then kind of follow it up quickly with another one and then uh i really want to get back on the road <laughs> 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 never gonna happen <laughs> that's great sorry <laughs> But, yeah, that and uh, just getting back out on the road. I kind of took some time off um, from touring, and uh, and that always makes me feel good to be out on the road um, and applying to more. I, I do it now where it's not just like, I'm just going to go tour the southeast. It's like, let me apply to a festival, and let me put together a tour that gets me to the festival and back mm-hmm. because I've done a lot of those, you know, sleep in the truck, sleep under the piano while the, <laughs> the young 20 year olds are drinking and drugging. I'm just trying to get a nap in before <laughs> I go to the next city. I kind of, I kind of tried to stop doing some of that. I still sleep in the truck every once in a while just cause I'm cheap, but, <laughs> but I love being on the road. It's the best. It just, it gives everybody at home a break and it, and it encourages me and inspires me to write. And I love playing for, newer audiences and making those new connections well it sounds like there.
1: you do a fair amount of writing behind the wheel I do that, well that's the thing you don't too. have to have a guitar exactly in, yeah. no
2: it, that's that's the other thing about it I've written Little Yellow Leaf was written on the road uh, You and Me Tonight was written on the road um, trying wanna,
1: to a, I love Little Yellow Leaf you want to play that one
2: yeah sure I'll do that one <laughs>
3: Run in the butterfly play Sweet to smell a bit of wild mountain flowers Little up all the reds come just melting. We'll see that little yellow leaf that's falling we we'll believe something over me is calling Words that set steel rhyme and wrong singing that train Farmer, she'll go Little Yeddle Leaf Got me thinking about home. Getting back to my baby Garden clouds Catching in the branches Trees i found A pillar for the bed Slippy little town is closing up for dreaming Counting their blessings and bowing their heads We'll see that little yellow leaf just falling Do we'll believe something over me is calling What's world said the Ryan who steals room Singing that chain fire my shoes go Little yellow leaf got me thinking 'bout about Getting back to Get line both the gears to the ground, and they're picking out the timber for your turn.
0: whether you're on the road here or on the road somewhere else we love you man thanks for doing this love you guys too thank you so much for having me man I appreciate it come back and see us after the record's done yeah however many years (laughs) it's gonna be my turn (laughs) we'll see you soon man All right, thanks guys
2: yeah we love you great job thank you the
3: top of my head was a bottom of so souls I feel like I fell beneath them I sleep in the dirt with my confidence choking well, I toss and turn home oh, in a balance sleep How can you How can I How can I sleep
0: You've been listening to Songdivers. Thank you for supporting us and our
1: sponsors and all the great independent music makers out there trying to make their way in the music business these days. Songs we heard in this episode are Red Eye, Red Light, Good Night, Sorry in the Meantime, Little Yellow Leaf, and Battling Sleep. All written by Dean Johannesson.
0: To hear more of Dean, follow him on all things social and streaming, Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and hit the main hub at DeanJohannison.com to find out where to see Dean next and keep track of his upcoming album release. That's D-E-A-N-J-O-H-A-N-E-S-E-N.com. And we want to reiterate that it is still possible to play like Django Reinhardt with all of your fingers still attached.
3: Little time to think will I found the
0: train
3: I' thoughts of my days with you
0: This time like okay. you mean it, you
3: know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't feeling that. <laughs> I'm I'm hitting the suck button in here.
0: <laughs> I've
2: literally been told that in the studio one time. <laughs>
0: Songdivers is a production of Ybor City Records and recorded in the historic Kenwood District of St. Petersburg, Florida.